It's Sunday, April 3rd, 2016, and you're listening to episode 41 of Roll Up and Die. Okay, so what do you need? Besides a miracle. Guns. Lots of guns. metronome going freaking logic pro dude i'm like <laughs> so you can talk on time <laughs> two days podcast is about guns in role playing games <laughs> dude the, the worst part of about a metronome is actually and a lot of people it, it's it's very difficult to get around this but um when you when someone's recording music mm-hmm. in your studio, they're obviously following a metronome, whether they're recording a guitar or even drummers. And, yeah. and any drummer who says, "No, no, no, I don't, I don't like to do a metronome. I like <clears> to <throat> just go with the soul." It's like, dude, one, fuck you. Two, <laughs> listen, you're, I'm giving you a oh metronome. My. But uh, <laughs> but oftentimes, and I've made this mistake a lot, is the metronome is too loud in the headphones, and the microphone picks it up. Pick so, it up, yeah. Yes, yeah, right. so you hear like the. Yep. <laughs> going on in the background. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so what are you guys up to today? I uh, Well, we just finished uh, writing our next adventure module for uh, for Absolute Tabletop, so I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Woo! Nice. Uh, really excited to get go into the editing uh, phase and just polish it up and get it ready to go. Yes. You want to talk about it a little bit, Matt? Uh, sure, yeah. Uh, so it's uh, an adventure module called Sewers Under Sandwall. And it was actually one that I was writing uh, solo a couple years ago, and I just kept mm. hitting a wall with it and um, just wasn't able to do it on my own. But with Absolute Tabletop, you know, I've got three other guys, Barker, you included, and, like, any time I hit that wall or didn't know where to go next or didn't know where the adventure should go, like, you guys just stepped it, stepped in and just, yeah, made it happen. So everyone put in a ton of work on it, and I think it's our, I think it's our best adventure module yet. So I'm really excited to uh, get it out there. I think so too, uh, 100%. I, I would agree with that completely. Sweet, that's very exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. It's just it's neat. It's a neat feeling, and I you know it's weird. I know you feel this way, Matt, but I'll, I'll talk about it. Is and I don't feel this way about sewers, obviously, and, and you'll <coughs> understand why in a little bit. But when you've had <laughs> a, an idea inside <laughs> of your own brain, and it's only existed inside mm. of your own brain, that's like what a sad thought that you that this thought or memory exists, but you're the only one that experiences it. And now it's on paper, so other people yeah. get to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then yeah, they and like it. Dang. Ex- exactly. <laughs> well, and it's been it's been interesting too because because I've been working on it on by my on my own for so long. Mm. I, I sort of have this preconceived idea of what it is and yeah. what happens yeah. and what sort of things are going to be included. And so I found myself when we were first working on it together being like, oh, oh well, hey, that's cool, but I actually have this thing in mind. And I sort of had yeah. to get to a place where I was just like, you know what? No, like these guys come up with such cool things. And I'm so, so glad because there have been a few times that uh, Barker or James or Tim has been working on something or added something. And I've been like, that fixes so many problems with other things in the adventure. Like, like I remember just the other day, Tim came up with something that happens near the end that fixed, like, yes. a, for lack of a better term, a plot hole from earlier in the thing. And I was like, Tim, that is just the perfect glue to just tie this all together. So I, part of uh, being collaborative 
uh, even if it's something that you are kind of mm. managing, being collaborative is, is just so, so important. So yeah. I've, it's been really rewarding doing that. For sure. And Alex, you work with DBJ a little bit lately. Uh, yeah. And and I imagine, you know, and you can you can talk speak to this a little more, but I imagine that it's the same way. You know, when you're doing something by yourself, there's there's something to be missed. You know, there's something to be mm-hmm. said about having another human being to kind of run ideas by and yeah. collaborate with. Yeah, well, like Matt said, it's kind of hard as an artist to let go of your baby, you know, to let someone else touch it. It's like, no, 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 it's mine. It's, I, it's yeah, my, exactly. my idea, my idea, you know. But, yeah, you, you ultimately have to let it go. And, and uh, the hard part is it never comes out exactly like you envision it either. You know, you have to mm-hmm. you have to always accept that you might get, you know, 70 or 80%. If you're real lucky, 90%. But you're almost never going to get that hundred percent that you envisioned in your mind, and and that's okay, right. you know, because like you were saying, you know, when when someone actually puts it in front of themselves to use, they're going to get something. They're going to get something entirely different out of it, and that yeah. and that's yeah. and that's the magic of it. They may add their own stuff. They may, you know, say, "Ooh, I don't want to use that," and toss it out, <laughs> and you know, that's, right. that's just going to happen. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a great process. Yeah, RPG modules in general are. Uh, kind of built for that sort of collaboration mm-hmm. too because it, in a sense the hobby the game itself is a collaborative game yeah. or at least it should be so uh everything kind of you know what 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 collaboration doesn't have in the building of the module you know like like you just said you know we can we can build the module however Matt wanted it in its head in his head but it's still going to be run differently from person to person yeah so yeah exactly well, you can also so. get that collaboration through indirect means, like even through playtesting. Like uh, oh, when, yeah. when we were putting together a book of, uh, of, you know, just encounters, you know, just little single encounter type things, and we we, we uh, playtested them, and almost every time we came up with better ideas based on things that the characters did. You know, we you know they, they said something or did something or you know, commented on something and it just spawned entirely new ideas that we wouldn't have thought of otherwise. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, yeah, just uh, collaboration is, is fantastic. I love, you know, just brainstorming. And I mean, it's kind of what we do here. I mean, especially when we're doing the, uh, you know, an idea you can steal. I mean, we come up with stuff that probably each individual, you know, each one of us wouldn't have necessarily thought on our own, but because, but because we're, you know, tagging on to each other, you know, on the spur of the moment, and you know we come up with something uh you know it's usually pretty cool yes absolutely and speaking of collaboration and it actually might not be speaking of collaboration but i was trying to (laughs) hit up a segue into this (laughs) this topic that i that we talked about earlier in the chat uh we've been asking people to collaborate on a new drinking game or instead of collaborate just freaking send us one like just anybody how many downloads do we have of this podcast uh, oh wow! La- last I checked, it was over forty, for, over forty thousand. So that's, I mean, that's arguably that's a thousand people, approximately. Yeah, that have heard us say, "Give us a new drinking game," and we got one person <laughs> that finally sent us in a drinking game to tack on to the old rules. That's Sweet. really exciting. So yes. who sent it in? So this is from Ben Buckner, who I know. <laughs> Has yeah, been ben, around ben since. Ben B, dude. Yeah, dude, Ben B. You remember Ben oh, B? Man, Ben B. Yeah, he's one. He is one of the most prolific question askers that we <laughs> yes. have on Roll Up and Die. Yes. There's also a Ben D, and I think there's a second Ben B, but Ben B. Ben B. 
Ben B. So anyway, uh, do you guys want to talk about these rules? Sure, why not? let's do it. So these 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 will stack on top of the original drinking mm-hmm. game rules. So grab yourself a beer or uh, you know a glass of scotch or a merlot or a seltzer water like myself. <clears throat> <laughs> I'm drinking seltzer too. Let's Dude, do it. That's all I drink anymore, man. Yeah. I'm become seltzer water. <laughs> I'm become seltzer water, destroyer of worlds, <laughs> destroyer of w- w- fat. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay, so he said that uh, he couldn't find the original drinking game rules. So you know, he he there might be some duplicates, and there are, and it's actually funny. But here are some drinking game rules for you, the listener. One: anytime anyone makes a mistake when introducing themselves. <laughs> Two, whenever someone says Segway. So that's already happened once. So take a a couple drinks. Three, if Alex's yurt or chores are mentioned. (laughs) 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 If the words awesome, super cool, or rad are said, which is an old rule, yeah. Yeah. Uh, When you hear dice being rolled. That's going to be everyone pretty, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're really we're in it to get people hammered. I mean, that is now our new method. That's, That's our a goal. tagline. Yeah. That's really yeah. we'll get you hammered. Roll up and die. Roll up and die. We'll we might not have great advice, but we'll get, get you ha- hammered. I mean, it's really a win-win, and there's That's nothing true. wrong. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it, when we do an idea, you can steal. Okay. Uh, when when we answer some questions. Uh, those are those two are like oh, cheating. I, like those we ones got, might may, the, he might have just had a rule that says when they release a podcast. Yeah, when you listen <laughs> to a podcast, drink. <laughs> just keep yeah, drink two drinks end. whenever a new podcast comes out. <laughs> Actually, what, uh, you could always have when it comes when it comes out late. You know, drink, yeah. drink, drink, yeah. drink a bottle. <laughs> drink a bottle. If it of doesn't scotch. come out on Sunday. Yeah, yeah drink, drink a, a bottle of scotch. <laughs> drink a whole alone, <laughs> alone, and cry. <laughs> Oh gosh! All right. Next is anytime someone mentions something horrific or nightmare fuel. Oh, so, someone okay. like I know that wasn't directed at me. Someone, yeah. someone, one person. <laughs> That's also I can, half I can, of I can our ideas. See the air steal. quotes when someone, someone. <laughs> uh, take a drink every time there's a guest. Okay, we're gonna yeah. do that more often. Yeah, yeah. Coming out soon, so yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, take a drink every time you have seen slash read a movie or book that they mention. Hmm. That's a good uh, one. That's a formula. Yeah, that I think that's a pretty good one too. <clears throat> uh, drink every time someone talks about their drink. Okay, that's already happened mm-hmm. twice yes. now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What are you drinking, Alex? Right now? Actually, just water. Kind of boring today. That's a drink, though. So yeah, yeah. Uh, drink every time a movie slash show hasn't been seen by someone. Mm-hmm. And I think I know who they're talking. There's that about. air quote. Someone. Yeah, someone. That's right. Uh, do a, take a drink every time someone uses or does a voice slash impersonation. <laughs> uh, we, <laughs> and then drink every time someone says, and, and I love this in quotes, God speed blah. <laughs> it's written so properly. So there's like, there's like five guaranteed drinks at least in those. Yeah. Rules. I mean, yeah. Don't listen in your car. I know we've said this, that before. This, this, is, this isn't so much a game as it is a formula for alcohol poisoning. Yeah. And actually it says you're supposed to finish your drink every time someone says Godspeed blocks. So you really got to just knock it back at the end of every episode. Yeah, I guess so. All right. And then you finish your drink. And this is, it's interesting. He said that he didn't see the other rules because uh, this is, uh, it says finish your drink every time an iconic movie has been seen by Barker. 
And I love the. I'm sorry. I got to say it. I love the list in parentheses. He says, such as Predator, Terminator, Labyrinth. (laughs) This one gets me. Or Casablanca. Wait, you haven't seen Casablanca? Dude, I've seen... Uh, no, I, I haven't seen it in a long time, so I can't oh, remember okay. it. But you've seen it. Yeah, I think I was like four. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Gin joints and shit. Uh, yeah, I know. That one line. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Welcome, everybody, to Roll Up and Die, your absolutely smashed RPG podcast. <laughs> my name is Barker. And my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. And tonight's Roll Up and Die episode is about guns. Frickin' guns. Uh, Specifically, we were talking in our chat before the episode about how uh, guns are problematic. Guns oftentimes might create a problem in an RPG, uh, even in modern RPGs, you know, not just fantasy uh, because of the systems that exist now. And we were going to talk about those problems and talk about how to solve them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but first, let's go around. Uh, we'll start with Matt, then Alex, then me, if there's anything left that I have to add. Uh, let's talk about what problems guns create in your tabletop RPG. Well, I think if you introduce guns into an RPG, specifically uh, an RPG that is not modern day, uh, you instantly create an environment where black powder weaponry exists, and therefore there is a need for it and you have to answer the question of why doesn't everyone have it if not everyone has it now you know with a fantasy setting you can always make the case that well magic is more efficient and more destructive than black powder weapons so a culture that has magic doesn't need guns but there is that it's like that that little that cliff that you jump off of mm-hmm. the minute you introduce guns into a fantasy setting yeah. or a medieval setting or or you know a non modern setting of any kind where it's like where do they come from how do they work why doesn't everyone have them yep yeah and what about you alex um well for me one of the biggest problematic aspects of firearms is their lethality um mm-hmm. you know in a if, if there's a sword fight going on there's a lot of dancing and playing and and you know little cuts and slashes and punches and things like that that can be worked into it but if you're shot with a gun yeah, nine. You know, nine times out of ten, you're not getting up. <laughs> you know, if, at if least hit, for ten minutes. I mean, yeah, really. Yeah. I mean, the the just, just the shock to the system. Even if it's not a lethal shot, you know, like through the heart or through the head, if it just goes through your your abdomen or your side. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen a bullet go through ballistics gelatin, but oh, when it yeah. when it hits this, it, it sends. It's not just the the little piece of metal puncturing your skin. It sends this massive shockwave through your organs, into your heart, up to up through your bones. I mean, just it just traumatizes your whole body. You know, and so I mean, getting shot is a is a very traumatic event. And so, if you want to make firearms in any way, you know, realistic, then I mean, it's 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 almost you know one shot, one kill. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, sure, you can get it shot in the arm and and. Um, become disabled and so forth but you know overall it, it's and and that's and that's tough because that's and that's one of the big complaints i hear a lot uh from people who play <clears throat> you know modern settings is that this, they're so dangerous they're so lethal you know right and that yeah. and that's one of the big reasons 
Yeah, it's like you know, if you're playing like a Call of Cthulhu game, mm-hmm. like if you if you get hit once by a gun, like normally you 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 die or you're yeah. critically injured. So it it <clears> is. <throat> it's just it's like you're saying, Alex. It's a lot different than blades or bows. It's like. Yeah, it just had. There's so much kinetic energy behind it. Even if you're wearing like a bulletproof vest, yeah. I mean, you're gonna break some ribs and you're gonna be out mm-hmm. for a while. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. And and I get that that is a huge problem uh, when it comes with firearms. And I think a lot of that, and this is what I'll throw in as my thing, is that the systems that currently exist, the most popular systems, aren't built uh, with that sort of hit points or life bar system that accommodates firearms. Mm. Right. Even D&D hit points, like, okay, I'm a fan of D&D. I really enjoy playing it. Mm-hmm. But there are a couple things where I'm like, you know what? I get it. That's not for me. I understand why that, ex- <clears throat> that exists. That's not for me. Hit points for me, uh, they totally remove me. I feel like it's very difficult for me to role play them. Or even if it's not, it's difficult for everyone at the table to be on the same page about what hit points mean. Yeah, right. You know, uh, and some GMs say, well, a hit point, you know, <clears throat> if you lose hit points, that doesn't necessarily mean you were hit. But, you know, that really does go against the initial feel of what they yeah. meant, you know, in, in, from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But um, but there's if – you, if you throw a gun into a setting like D&D, let's say, and they mm-hmm. do offer, you know, ways to do it. Uh, in the Dungeon Master's Guide, uh, especially for 5th edition at least, you have an, an immediate problem based on what you were just talking about, Alex, is that they're, if, they, if the guns actually worked like they do in real life, mm. their damage would be off the charts. Like, yeah. And so they just said, well, we'll just make it you know, a D12 or 2D12. You know, that's a lot of damage. But, I mean, if you're a level 11 character, you're getting blasted by a 50 caliber machine gun, and you're like, I'm fine, I'm not even bloodied yet. <laughs> Fourth edition term. But, yeah, yeah. But it's, it, it creates this issue where, you know, what systems, does the system matter? Like, mm-hmm. what system should I change to? Should I right. homebrew or, or, uh, my health bar system? And, you know, these are some things that I kind of want to talk about, not yeah. only the, the issues, but how would you fix something like that? Yeah, I think Alex had a really great idea, and Alex, I kind of, I, like I'd love to have you talk about this more. Sure. The idea that of guns doing ability score damage mm. instead of hit point damage, like getting shot and losing constitution, you know, yeah. and having having it be more of a of a like a real fatal thing. Yeah, well, that's what I do for a lot of of really fatal things in my game. I, I never like the idea of like taking hit points for falling or taking hit points for lava you know for example right. i'm sorry if you, right. if you, if you trip yeah. and fall into lava you're dot you're dead there's just yeah. there's no no way around that no man I'm, I'm like lava jesus i walk on it i only take a little bit i've been doing this my whole life Ooh, it really. i actually i cast shield right before i fall in the lava so i'm i'm still alive well and i mean i don't care how much training you have as a fighter you know you could be 20th level fighter if you fall a thousand feet onto onto hard ground you're gonna die you know yeah. there's just there's no way around that so for for those kind of things i already do sort of i do constitution damage or i just say you're dead because you know common sense to me always trumps the rules but um <laughs> and that's why with firearms if it were to include them in my game uh i would definitely have them do you know probably constitution damage because you know it is so, it is so traumatic to the body so yeah you know, if it does, you know, instead of d- doing, say, 2d6 
hit points, it does 2d6 con, you're going to think twice about, you know, charging that guy with the gun. And, and, yeah, that's, and that brings up idea. a point I was, I was going to mention, which is that um, any game where you use firearms, you, it's kind of on the players to sort of rethink their strategies. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in D&D, you would think nothing of grabbing your sword and running into combat, ah, you know, waving your sword, screaming. And, but in a, in a, in a gun situation where there are bad guys who are hiding behind crates and, you know, in this warehouse and you're not just going to charge them because they're going to be just taking shots at you and one good, one or two good hits and you're dead. So you're going to be hiding behind things and and taking shots with just an eye peeking out and, you know, you're going to be hopefully treating it very differently. If you go into it with a D and D mindset for combat, then yeah, it's, it's going to be really lethal. Well, I think, you know, there are a lot of different types of modern settings. And, and, and again, it kind of falls within the category of, well, it depends on the setting. Because there are guns settings like Saving Private Ryan or something mm. like that where, oh, my gosh, if you get shot, like, this is <clears throat> this is going to be bad for you. Yeah. But there are also, you know, man movie settings where there are just bullets flying everywhere. And, you know, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone is l- quite literally carrying a fifty caliber turret with him, fi- firing from the hip, <laughs> taking out an army of whoever, you know. And so, you know, at times like those, yeah. like, it really depends on the setting for that. But one thing I love about your idea, Alex, of taking away constitution, like constitution points, ability score points, is that I, just the other day, uh, I played in a game, uh, Marquise ran, mm-hmm. uh, Stereotypical Strider is his, is his YouTube channel, and he ran a game uh, that took place in ancient Babylon, and it was... Oh, cool. Really cool. The setting was really cool, and it was it was a really fun game. It felt very immersive, and it was great. Um, and one thing I noticed, we were playing level eleven characters, and mm-hmm. I had you know near a hundred and fifty hit points, <clears throat> but I still only had ten constitution. Yeah. And so that puts a lot of that simulationism that people want or seem to want when it comes to firearms into a game that we're, we're basically mm-hmm. playing Herculean. Babylonians fighting a massive celestial bull that's <laughs> flying around like a meteor. I mean, that happened. But if I got shot with a fifty cal yeah. or with a forty-five, I'd be dead. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know if I even call it simulationist. I mean, to me, like I said, if it, I have to believe it if I'm if I'm going to be immersed in the game in any way. Like, I mean, I can, I can play an '80s action hero in a in a game, and I'm okay with you know, getting shot in the arm and still, you know, carrying your gun with you and so forth. But, you know, you know, once you reach a certain point, it, it becomes, you know, just, just, I'm not buying it, you know? Yeah. Well, sure. what about, what? something I wanted to bring up was, you know, when you introduce guns into, um, I just thought of another drinking game rule. Uh, you have to take a drink anytime I go uh, 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 when I stumble over my words. But we would have killed people last episode. I know, I know. <laughs> last episode, people would die, and we would be looking at some sort of cease and desist order if that's a thing. <laughs> so, when you introduce guns into a a fantasy setting, mm-hmm. like a D and D type setting, yes. you're not necessarily introducing super effective guns you're probably introducing early black powder weapons yeah. that were wildly inaccurate took full uh, um, 30 seconds to reload right um didn't work in like wet conditions at all uh couldn't shoot over long range like they they had 
severe hindrances that would allow people with bows and blades to actually like take advantage of that situation and take you know gunmen out pretty easily Mm -hmm. so um do you guys think that things like that you know having these rudimentary black powder weapons not even necessarily flintlock guns but like early like arquebuses and stuff like that like does that sort of even things out balance things out for you i see i think that yes but i Mm. but i think that kind of talks about something else and i know there are a lot of questions on the the post Mm -hmm. that you shared today that reflect on this and balance is something people tend to want to achieve when it comes to firearms like a lot of the you know people asking questions are like you know how do i introduce guns without removing magic as a factor Mm. or how do i you know at you know at at what point do guns trump magic in terms of military strength? You know, like, yeah. and, you know, well, how can you place guns in your world without, uh, you know, not not only making magic obsolete, but ruining the setting? Mm. And, and all I hear when you say how, you know, guns being overpowered inside your setting, all I see are beautiful story elements. Yeah. Like, first of all, on a, you know, on a mechanical basis, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if this helps to answer the question from my perspective, but I'm like, I don't see a point in balancing magic and firearms. Mm. You know, not only can I see it in the reverse, like magic should make guns obsolete, right? you know, know, or could at the very least. But when someone says, oh, my setting is suffering because I put guns into it and now it doesn't make sense because guns would just over everyone would have guns and then magic would become obsolete and it's like that sounds like an awesome story element yeah. for someone who's playing a yeah. wizard right yeah yeah i mean there's a, there's a few ways you can balance it out without it feeling contrived i mean you know you could have you could have it where uh, if if magic is, is used within close vicinity of black powder, the black powder just automatically goes off. It just reacts to whatever you know field the magic puts off. So you could have it. It's kind of mm. it could be dangerous to carry a gun if someone's using magic around you. You know that sort of thing. Your gun That's could just blow up in your holster. Um, you could have it so that there people have them, but there's no infrastructure like globally to sort of uh, support them. So you can't just go down to the shop and buy it. You have to you know, personally, you know, mill it yourself and, and build the parts. And, you know, maybe that's part of the character's um, uh, character, you know, concept is, you know, you have to, you know, build all the shells yourself, that sort of thing, and, and, and do it that way. So um, you can make the elements required to make black powder extremely rare and expensive, you know, um, mm-hmm. as far as, you know, if, if you want to keep it in check and, and not have, like, for sure, it, it just it just run rampant, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, I also like the idea of, and we talked a little bit about you know things like this in the in the last episode about, um, you know, you have two different groups with two different technologies meeting, and and you know what can happen in you know in that conflict. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, even thinking about you know it, looking at a real world history for things like that, mm-hmm. like you know uh, when. You know, we were first colonizing the new world, and we had you know black powder weapons, um, and you know how the the native peoples you know didn't have black powder weapons, but they knew the land way better than us. They uh, you know were expert trackers and hunters, and really good with bow and axe and stuff like that. And so they were still you know going toe to toe with us, even though we had black powder weapons, but thinking about 
you know, then eventually the native peoples would adopt the black powder weapons and mm-hmm. it would become sort of essential uh, for them to sort of keep up in this arms race. I mean, that there's so many, there's so many cool dynamics, so many things happening yeah. there where, yeah. you know, the native peoples are trading with the French <laughs> so that they can have guns to, you know, combat the, the, the colonists. And it's just, it's really cool. It's, it's, it's a cool idea. It's a cool mm-hmm. dynamic. And so I, I like that idea of, of, implementing that into a fantasy type game yeah Yeah. and to to piggyback on the question you originally asked matt which i think is a great question and i did a pretty poor job of of answering it instead i i did the thing where i said well just don't worry about it well that's that's not the point of the question (laughs) (laughs) but the i I think that you just get over it yeah just get over it (laughs) that was like scorpion get over it get over it (laughs) uh, i think that you, you could get yourself into trouble if you insert firearms into your game and then your melee, the melee combatants in the party suffer for it. Mm. Right. If, and I think at, at those times when it's like, well, I've been wielding a sword forever, but honestly, despite all my skills with the sword, I might as well just pick up one of these guns um, because it's just better in every way and I don't have to put myself out there to use it. I think at those times it's really useful to think about the different flaws of firearms that Matt brought up, that Mm -hmm. Alex brought up, that really cool idea, Alex, of maybe every time magic is used, your firearm goes off. You know, maybe that's, uh, you know, a problem, like a Harry Dresden with electronics or something. Yeah. um, And I think that one of the really good ways to do that, Matt, you mentioned history. I mean, we're talking 30-second reload times. Yeah. So, uh, and I've been thinking a lot about this lately because for a long time I've wanted to have a homebrew setting that was kind of like 18th century, 17th century uh, technology when it comes to firearms and ships. Mm-hmm. But kind of medieval, not necessarily medieval, medieval slash renaissance everywhere else. Mm-hmm. and Or just a, a mixture of a bunch of different things. And I recently decided that my, my big homebrew setting of NK is going to have muskets. Just oh, because cool. I love freaking muskets. <laughs> and so... <laughs> In my world, when where warfare is an issue, like there's a huge war going on, how then do <laughs> firearms make a difference mm-hmm. to you guys? Right. What sort of things? What sort of? I mean, would you would you say that we need to add some flaws to them to uh, make them more a story driven or plot driven thing instead of mechanical? Like, what would you guys suggest for someone who's interested in making firearms just a big part of the world? I think the first questions that you have to ask if you're going to do something like that is you have to ask, is this a emerging bleeding edge technology where Mm. there's a lot of flaws and there's a lot of unforeseen consequences of using these weapons? You know, maybe they're so new and so untested that they're literally exploding in people's hands occasionally when they're used improperly, you know, or are they well established (laughs) to the point where people are used to them and people uh, know what they're capable of and have learned to you know, live with them and uh, learn, live sort of around them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that's like the most important question is like, is this a new emerging technology or is it entrenched in my world? Yeah. Or has it been re- introduced recently by a clash of cultures like we mentioned? Right, you right. Know? Yeah, someone with guns coming into a place that normally didn't have guns. Right. I think, you know, and, and my idea is kind of a mixture of both, and I, I want to pick your brains. And mm-hmm. I feel like I'm not the only one in the world who's interested in, in a world such as this. So, you know, maybe other people will benefit too. But I imagine it's new technology, but that it's not like the new technology 
it, it doesn't suffer from a lot of the, well, God, this is new technology. This sucks. We might as well just use the bow and arrow. Yeah. You know, it's, it's new technology and it's still good. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think I'm at, I'm at the point where a lot of GMs are when in their worlds when they have to ask themselves, well, okay, how does this affect the world as a whole? Yeah. How do, do I need to change my setting around right. this? Is this big enough to, to alter different things? Right. And right. I know, Matt, you have guns and Aeronoth or black powder, right? Basic, uh, basic weapons, right? Yeah. So, there's a, there's a region in the, in the world that has like super basic black powder weapons. Mm. I mean, they're, li- they're literally just like tubes that they fire rocks out of using black powder. Like they're, they're very rudimentary, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they exist. But even in that small way, even in, in that small way that you've put them in your world, how has it affected the world as a whole? You know, it, I can't say that it has tremendously, because they are sort of that, like I was saying earlier, that bleeding edge technology mm. where it's like, hey, someday this might be pretty cool, but not yeah. right now. And it's one of those things where magic is prevalent enough in Aranoth where people don't see a huge need to adopt the firearms. Yeah. I could see, uh, you know, a cool dynamic coming where, um, you know, a common person incapable of doing magic is like, hey, this gun makes me pretty effective against a wizard. I feel like I, you know I need to yeah. I need to have a gun in case someone who's capable of blowing up my house with a fireball comes knocking on my door. Give me the wizard killer. I need it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly, Alex. Like that's cool shit. Put that in your world. Well, I think there would also be kind of a kind of an arms race between black powder and and magic. Now, yeah. Im- imagine a battlefield like you were talking about. Now they could they could even have big cannons. Okay, so you've got one mm-hmm. side that has a lot of magic, the other side is black powder. So. You know, you, you have these cannons going off, boom, 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 sending these uh, these cannonballs across. And you have a line of wizards out in front, you know, with this brand new spell that's just meant to repel cannonballs. So they set up these, they, they, they throw up these massive shields, boom, you know, as, as, the, as these shells explode on the uh, on these uh, wizard shields, killing some of them as they're thrown back. You know, I mean, you can, yeah. um, they, they could uh, come up with spells that could deflect bullets or that could you know cause black powder to explode at a distance maybe they they know its sensitivity to magic and so they play on that by creating spells that specifically target it you know that kind of thing yeah exactly so that there would i was gonna there would be an arms race there i think where they would uh you know every time you know uh the black powder people would come up with something new to uh to make their weapons better the casters and Mm -hmm. so forth would come up with things to counter that right Yeah, well, and that's something I was going to mention earlier was like an arms-type race. Uh, Barker, earlier when you mentioned, you know, if I use a sword, what am I supposed to do if someone has a gun? Mm -hmm. I was going to say, you know, you you can come up, like, you you aren't necessarily tied to, you know, what would happen in the real world. And so things like magic or, uh, you know, maybe the dwarves come up with a special kind of armor that's sort of similar to, like, the ironclads in the Civil War where it's just sloped armor that's designed to ricochet bullets off of it. So the dwarves are literally just, like, marching towards you in this huge, thick, sloped armor, and bullets are just pew, pow, pew, just bouncing off them as they're marching (laughs) towards you. I like, love cool. that idea. Yeah. That is yeah. freaking cool. And you know, Mike Lasham, I think, you know, uh, I think he did something like this. This is the guy that was just on our last episode. Mm-hmm. In, in his homebrew world that we talked about in that last episode, he he does a thing where it is kind of like an arms race. You know, Th- that's the reason guns exist uh, is to kind of repel magic. I think that was his world. I could be thinking of a different world. 
but uh, basically it was like, oh my gosh, magic is is really powerful. We we need to have guns for those people who don't have magic, mm-hmm. j- just to kind of uh, make things even. And I, lo- Matt, I freaking love that idea. You don't have to make guns less cool. Just make everybody around them more badass. The freaking <laughs> dwarves walking over the battlefield wearing these mechanized suits. Shit, man, I'm stealing that. That's you're hey, writing that's in an, chaos. That's an idea you can steal. I'm glad we're working in the same company, or else you'd sue my ass for stealing that idea. Uh, I mean, that's uh, and that's the thing is that I mean that is that's what would happen. You know, it's like, hey, we don't have access to black powder. We don't understand how it works. So we're going to develop a new spell or a new type of armor or a new a new weapon that can that can counteract these guns and meet them blow for blow on the battlefield. Yeah. I mean, if again, if it's a if it's a clash of cultures, then then initially there's going to be a huge um, kind of a resettling. So, you know, uh, at first the uh, the lesser or I should say the the non-black powder army gets wiped out because they weren't expecting it. And then, yeah. you know, as, as time goes on, they start to come up with countermeasures, whether it's, like you said, special armor or, you know, magic spells for, you know, for defense or, you know, offensive spells that target black powder specifically. You know, all these things are going to come into play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one of the issues that I know I've come up with, and this was a long time ago, this could totally be game master error like I would not put it past myself but we got really excited when it was back when D20 Modern came out Mm. and this was when everything was D20 it was like oh my gosh let's just freaking put a D20 logo on it and make it make a book (laughs) and sell and make a lot of money and really bought into that Uh, but one of the issues we found was after the session the players at least one of the players said it was really cool but it felt like we just kind of sat there behind cover rolling dice to shoot at the other side Mm. So in an immersive way, if you're running a game, and I'm 90% sure that, you know, I'm 100% sure that 90% of this was GM uh, error or just me being noobish at this. But if either of you were running a game and both sides, both people on either side had guns, whether it's a modern game or fantasy or whatever, how do you make it so it's just not like a a die rolling, you know, penis measuring contest? How do you, how do you... (laughs) immerse the players into something more real what 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 are some strategies some tips you might give to the people who are listening environmental stuff like mm, um yeah different types of cover different things that you could shoot at you know there's the the old standby the exploding barrel you know they pop out from cover and they see a barrel of flammable liquid and they shoot that and blow it up um you know different different things that they can do like i'm gonna i'm gonna zip line down here and i'm gonna shoot while i'm zip lining and then get behind cover and then pop out and throw a grenade <clears throat> like i mean there's lots of different stuff you can do and i mean yeah. just thinking about um like a movie like john wick where that that has so much gunplay in mm-hmm. it okay. but it's all close up like grapple gunplay <clears throat> where you're like i'm gonna punch this guy kick yeah. him backwards and then shoot him in the foot you right. know and then shoot him in the head when he goes down like yeah. there's you know just watch a bunch of action movies and put that stuff in the game the other thing is to really sell what it's like to be in a gunfight. And this this might require some research on the GM's part. But, I mean, first of all, guns are incredibly loud, especially in an enclosed space. So if you're in a building and you're, and you're, and you're you know, shooting a gun and other people are shooting at you, you are, your ears are going to be ringing. You're going to be practically deaf yep. the, just by the sound of it. Um, if it's a darkened room, all these, all these flashes are going off. So you've got, the, you know, that, that chaotic, you know, flashing in your eyes, you're... you're, you're uh, you know your uh, 
you're having a hard time seeing the smoke that's beginning to fill the room because of uh, of all these guns going off. And I mean, it, it's just you know, uh, a ricochet sends up you know splinters of of wood or or stone or whatever you're hiding near that sort of thing. I mean, just really giving them a feel of the danger they're in, and uh, um, and, and and playing the other you know, their opponents smart, you know, they're not just going to sit behind stuff and, and lean out and shoot. They're going to be moving around. Um, and this is one of those cases. I'm not a big fan of necessarily, uh, you know, count counting every torch or every, uh, you know, copper piece, but in, in firearms, you got to count the bullets because that's, (laughs) that, that's, that's where it's going to build the tension. You know, you've, you've got, you've got, 20 bullets that's it <laughs> you know well, you're so, not like you're not like john wayne shooting 19 people with right. a six shooter <laughs> right go-bam, go-bam, go-bam. <laughs> everyone's right. falling down well yeah but see that that again that's why i like the te- it builds the tension it's like you know yes you've got you know uh, <laughs> tw- we got three shells left and, and and four guys uh this is gonna get ugly <laughs> exactly I let, you know revolvers in rpgs are just fun for that yeah, reason yeah. you know you got six shots you know there are seven guys let's try to work this out yeah, you drop your shells out. They clink on the floor. It, you're 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 putting them in, and, and even as you're doing so, you're scorching, you know, your thumb tip because the the barrel is hot, is or the uh, the chamber is hot as you as you're putting these shells in. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, just sell sell all the the visceral sort of feel of what this gunfight is like. Yeah, take the, take the moment to really describe the setting. Yeah. Uh, you know, between the die rolls. You know, and and like Matt said. You know, people are just taken behind cover. Well, what happens when that cover gets shredded by bullets? Yeah. You know, what what happens when the barrel next to that cover just, you know, gets shot and begins, I don't know, spraying out fire? Yeah. That which I don't know if that would happen, but it would look freaking cool in a movie. So you should do it in your RPG. Yeah. Uh, keep it dynamic. I mean, mm-hmm. it, gun, gunfights are not static, so don't 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 if you don't play it static. <laughs> Yeah. One of the things, Matt, you mentioned is John Wick. And John Wick's awesome, and people should watch John Wick. Right. <laughs> but, one, uh, no but, actually. And the other thing I want to mention is uh, I've been catching up on Daredevil uh, yes. with my wife. And in the second season, he gets in a fight with my favorite dude, Punisher. Punisher, yeah. <laughs> and they get in a fist fight, and Punisher, they're, they're both just fighting each other with their fists, and Punisher is pulling the trigger on this gun, too. Like, he's trying right. to get a shot off, and all these <laughs> shots are going off and barely missing Daredevil, yeah. right? Yeah. It's just an amazing combat scene. I was sold from the start of it. And, <laughs> I mean, what a cool fusion of yeah. melee fighting with, I don't know, some sort of monk or even a guy with a sword and yeah. ranged combat. Oh, what, what, exactly. what was that movie? There was a movie a long time ago. It's Well, it wasn't super long ago, but it was long enough, um, called Equilibrium. Equilibrium is awesome. It's and, so yeah, cool. Uh, and, uh, uh, yeah, nope. they, they, ha- they have this fusion of, of firearms and martial arts. They, they have Gun kata. Uh, Gun kata, yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's, Gun kata. Yeah. yeah it's, 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 sound, so it sounds, it sounds silly, but it's freaking awesome. That sounds um, awesome. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's like the the martial art of killing as hitting as many targets with as few bullets as possible. Yeah. So it's like you know these different stances <clears throat> that they take with these guns. It's just it's so cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And that it's called Equilibrium. 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 Yeah, yeah. that sounds yeah. like something I want to watch. Yeah, it's, it's a it's like a dystopian. early Christian Bale movie. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's kind of the, of a dystopian future kind of setup. So yeah, it's yeah. well worth watching. 
So it, it is, is. yeah. Good if you're going to have firearms in your game, watch it. Absolutely. Yeah. It, John Wick, and Daredevil. At least that one episode. Um, <laughs> so so there, there are quite a few questions, and most of these questions that on our page, um, it's pretty much the same. You know, a lot of people really ask the same thing. You know, mm. how do you freaking balance some of these things? Yeah. Um, but we have a little bit of time, and there are a few other questions that aren't related. If you guys want me to jump in and ask these. Sure. Yeah, whatever. Um, so basically, uh, here's this first one that I think is very interesting. Um, <clears throat> and it's, it kind of goes into history. So basically, uh, he says, this is from Alex v, Alec V, excuse me. As black powder weapons were introduced in West, Western Europe, full plate and other kinds of armor gave way to lighter armor. Mounted knights and heavy infantry gave way to lines of arquebusiers. I think I pronounced that correctly. I probably didn't. Operating in conjunction <laughs> with pikemen and light infantry. So here's mm. the question. How do you show the evolution of armor in response to the evolution of arms? Should it be handled purely cosmetically or mechanically as well? Um... I would say both. I mean, yeah. it, 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 well, again, it depends if you're running a magic-heavy or non-magical world, for example. If you're running a non-magical world, you can just look to history. But if you're running a magical world, there's all kinds of, of you know, spells and, and enchantments and, and uh, uh, things you can put on. Plus, you know, like... Uh, like Matt was saying, you know, uh, special dwarven armor with with you know these sharp angles to it that just deflect bullets, that sort of thing, or or some new exotic metals that are now in high demand. So mm-hmm. now the uh, now now the dwarves are sort of you know who may have been let's say they were you know uh, they had fallen out of you know uh, in on hard times you know a while back, but now their their metal is in great demand because it, it can stop bullets and so now now uh now they're in the driver's seat sort of thing so exactly um yeah i mean in, in a in a fantasy setting it's wide open i mean you can do all kinds of things to to show you know to show how armor can evolve you know yeah even the thing that you mentioned matt you know earlier about the dwarves walking across <clears throat> the field wearing these yeah, mecha- yeah. mechanized suits you know uh, it, maybe those used to be used for mining Right, but right, right, now right. they're used for combat because the enemy has guns, or maybe they were developed because of the guns. Maybe they're put together haphazardly, and they're just makeshift metals just to protect the the person yeah. piloting this thing on the inside. Yeah, kind of yeah. like a World War One tank. Some and some mad dwarven engineers like I know how to stop the bullets, <laughs> and then all of a sudden this guy's the, the king of the roost here because he like, can build the armor. You know how to stop the bullets? <laughs> Pure metal. <laughs> you know, what'd be, you know, what'd be cool too is if you had, because um, uh, these days we use you know things like bulletproof vests, vests which right. are you know uh, which use Kevlar, so it's a, it's yeah. a you know flexible material. So maybe, um, maybe they have this flexible armor, like, a, like it looks kind of like leather or padded armor, but it but it but it yeah. stops bullets, but it's not that great against swords. So yeah. you have to kind of pick your armor. It's like, am I going to be going up against people who are shooting at me or people who are going to be trying to stab me, you know? So that it, it kind mm-hmm. of it kind of actually makes some of the, you know, quote, lesser armor now more valuable than it used to be. Because now right. this, this, this padded armor, you know, with, this, with these extra layers in of, you know, whatever material you make up for your fantasy world, now can, now can stop bullets, but, you know, you're still gonna, now you're, gonna, you're still going to get hit with that sword. 
They got that yep. mithril weave Kevlar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Mevlar. Ooh, Mevlar. Look how creative I am. Steal the idea. Very clever, very clever, yes. <laughs> Fabulous. Uh, uh, this isn't really a question, but Bill F. Uh, actually brings up a really good <laughs> idea for mm-hmm. people looking for, like, uh, grenade damage or flamethrower damage, stuff like that, <laughs> is reskinning them if you're not interested in, you know, well, even if you are interested in taking them off an ability score versus hit points, uh, reskinning them to say, like, uh, a fireball is a grenade or yeah. flamethrower is a firebolt. Right, right. Something right. like that. Just taking a spell right out of the player's handbook or whatever sure. system you're using. And throwing it in uh, to this kind of reskin this modern weapon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Have you guys yeah. ever done it, done that with like traps or something? Yeah, I, I most of my traps are just reskin spells, and I just describe a crazy trap around it. You know, it's like you mm-hmm. know, it's a statue that when you step on a pressure plate, the statue opens up and a you know it casts a you know big fireball comes out of it or something. And I'm like, I'm literally just using burning hands the spell. You know, right. make a dex save against burning hands. Yeah, yeah. That seems like an easy easy way to yep. do it too. Yeah, it's super easy way to do spells. Yeah. Yep. So let me. That's another one about balance. Um, I know there was a really good one here that I'm missing. Oh, okay. This is interesting, and I'm not sure what an answer would be, but this is from Ben B. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. Ben B. Hmm. Ben B. Sounds familiar. Yeah, I think so. He's he asks, how do you show the influence of firearms on fantastical animals? Do dragons destroy caches of firearms? Do rats develop mm-hmm. a taste for black powder and now explode when hit with fire magic? Oh, man. <laughs> I think he answered the question. He just answered his own question because I'm stealing that idea. That's such a dope idea. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> the blast rats are coming. Look out. Yeah, blast rats. Yeah, exactly. Just Adding, like, oh, no. <laughs> blast rats. Adding a new uh, drinking game rule. Every time Ben B does something awesome or asks yeah. a question, take a drink. Take a drink, yeah. Uh, it's interesting that he mentioned dragons because mm-hmm. I, I at one point was developing a – it was going to be like a and d Western setting. Mm-hmm. And I was going to have all the you know stereotypical fantasy races, but they were all going to be like, you know – uh, the western united states during the you know wild west era and the idea was that the guns were developed in response to dragons like the mm-hmm. dragons were just effing everything up and they were you know people were hiding out underground from the dragons and they found this stuff called worm rock and they're like hey if we grind this stuff up it blows up like it's it's super flammable and they're like i bet we could like hurl a rock really far with yeah. this and then they're like i bet we could shoot a dragon out of the sky <clears> and then so they you know develop these guns go up start shooting dragons out of the sky and now mm. guns are a part of the culture because they were used to you know reclaim the land from dragons so that kind of, i mean that's mm. that kind of stuff is cool thinking about yeah. how is this not only going to affect the cultures of my world but you know the dragons yeah you know what what is the local lich gonna do about the fact that you know the the village that he's been subjugating now has guns and he's like this changes things you know yeah. <laughs> this is this is gonna put a, a little uh uh kink in the works here well you can also think of how firearms would be affected by different uh different hides and so forth for example like uh uh used to i watch mythbusters a lot and they've, they've done you know ballistics tests where they've shot uh, you know, very powerful weapons into the water, and a fifty caliber a fifty caliber gun, one of the more, one of the more powerful handguns, you know, that someone can fire. Mm-hmm. The bullet just shatters when it hits the water into little right. pieces. It gets stopped by the water because it's going so fast and has so much mass that it, that it hits that like you know, it just stops it. So, 
you know, you could think of creatures with, you know, real heavy, you know, thick leathery hides and, uh, but it has some give to them because they're fleshy underneath. So maybe they would be bullet resistant, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the, they, they would have kind of have like, like their own Kevlar. I think dragons certainly would. Um, yeah. Things like undead, uh, in my estimation, because bullets are moving so fast through the, this already rotten flesh, they're just going to pass through without doing anything. So, you know, I, I would say that most, you know, so, like undead like zombies and skeletons would pretty much be bulletproof, you know, they'd, be, they'd have almost no effect on them. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of stuff where firearms just aren't going to work or, you know, work at least worse than other things. I just got a a really cool visual when you said that, Alex. Uh, Really inspirational. Just uh, imagining just somebody with just like a Gatling gun or something firing at a skeleton. And the skeleton (laughs) is just crumbling but still maneuvering forward. Like its legs are now gone, but it's still walking on their quad bones. You know, just like crawling towards you until you're just blasting this thing over and over again. Well, and how terrifying would it be if you're, you know, the guard on the on the town wall, you know, standing on the ramparts and a horde of zombies coming towards you and you're putting every bullet you have into it and it's just like, just the bullets yeah. are just going right through yeah. them, you know, and you're just like, it's doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah, guard exactly. does nothing. Bring up the cleric, man. He's the yeah, one with turn right. undead. Like, he's the only one that can do something. Yep, exactly. Or bring up the cleric to bless, bless my bullets. bullets. That's right. Yep. Bless my bullets. Bless yep. my bullets. And then have bullets with runes etched into them that glow That's when right. they shoot and blow up undead when they hit them. Hey, the, I think we just the, created a new, like, surprise declaration statement. That's right. Bless my bullets. Bless my bullets. <laughs> bless my bullets. It's a good well, idea. Well, bless my bullets. Is that Barker? <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't so, blessing your bullets for no amount of money, though, Matt. Oh. Oh. And you okay. can you can actually have magic bullets that actually does have someone's name on it. It it only it only yeah. it only it, 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 it only does extra damage against that one person. Oh yeah. That's oh gosh, idea. cool character idea right there, Alex. Yep. Freaking guy who writes names on his bullets, assassin. Yeah. Yep. He's like, I can't use this bullet on you. It's for another man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saving this one. I'm saving this one for another man. His name's. His name's Prometheus, but I call him Promy because it fits on the bullet. <laughs> I, I, only, I only I have a fine tip sharpie. <laughs> so, I, can't, oh, I can't really. I mean, if your name's Michael, you're going to be Mike to me. <laughs> it's got to fit on a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. You guys want to actually answer the, the question with the most likes? Yes, yeah. let's do it. So this one's actually, I think it's going to be... This one's going to be directed. You're going to answer this question first, Matt. And I know you've gotten a okay. lot of special treatment this episode, but That's you weren't here I was last, gone week. last time. <laughs> yeah. And this one actually kind of fits in your world. But here, I'm going to ask you this okay. question, but there's an answer that you cannot give as an answer. Okay. <laughs> you can't say, well, the guns aren't actually that good. They have a lot of flaws, and they're not that many of them. <laughs> okay. So, all right. Okay. All right. Challenge accepted. Okay. This comes from Oliver S., who actually did a really cool video recently uh, uh, using Be a Better <coughs> Campaign Master Building the World. And I know this is not an absolute tabletop supplement, but I just wanted to thank him personally. That was a really cool video that I watched. But uh, <laughs> Oliver S. P- uh, writes to Matt directly, starting now. Matt, how could you explain only one region having guns or firearms and why they haven't used them to conquer everywhere else in the freaking world yet? <laughs> I, I I added that freaking. Okay, gotcha. How would you uh, so so tell me how can you explain one region having them and why haven't they used them to conquer everywhere else? 
Well, the the region in my world that has these rudimentary black powder weapons, I, I hesitate to even call them guns, but I know that I can't use that as an excuse. You're not allowed. You even said the I word don't. rudimentary already, <laughs> and I'm already I'm upset. Sorry, I, that's my one. I hit my rudimentary quota. So these <laughs> very basic, very primitive firearms, the people wielding them are actually quite peaceful. The weapons are used mostly for uh, homeland defense, basically, and many other cultures, surrounding cultures, and monstrous creatures have uh, tried to get their hands on these not, they're not rudimentary, mm. but they're very, they're primitive <laughs> black weapons. So, I it's mean, really good, the, but the short answer as to why they haven't conquered <laughs> is mostly because they don't want to. And they're a generally mm. a benevolent culture uh, who believe in defending themselves and defending their homeland, mm-hmm. but otherwise not really striking out in any sort of uh, expansionist, aggressive sort of way. But nice. that opens up a lot of things in my world where if I ever wanted them to suddenly, you know, have a new leader that's, you know, leading them in a, you know, some sort of war against other people or a different culture gets its hands on the guns or, you know, something else happens. Otherwise, it would it would open up some interesting things in my world that could be explored. I love that. And, and you know, just to piggyback on that, you said you know, benevolent, they're benevolent, they're pacifistic, you know, they don't want to attack. And some people might be like, oh, come on, they have all the guns. Like, why wouldn't they? You know, even, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, they'll find a way politically or something. But, you know, maybe instead of them just being nice, maybe they're bound diplomatically. Or right. p- perhaps, mm-hmm. even if that's too much of, uh, of, of, a sh- of a shill for you, which is the wrong word for it, but it sounded nice at the time, uh, perhaps maybe they're war profiteers. Right. Maybe they sell the weapons to both sides of a different war. Right. And that is how they, that's why they don't conquer everybody because mm. if they did, it would ruin everything they have going for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. Make war costly for them. Yeah. And Alex? I mean, and then beyond that, there's just the thing of like, well, magic exists and magic by and large is just better and more efficient than these weapons. So Yeah, for sure. I mean, and I love, I keep visualizing Alex's description of the cannons firing and the wizards blocking the cannonballs mm. and oh, firing so fireballs cool. back. And it's just like, yep. that is just the coolest image. That's like some Warhammer stuff right there. That man. is some Warhammer <laughs> stuff right there. Yep. <laughs> Uh, Alex, do you have anything else to add to the answer to the question? Um, no. I, well, I mean, I, I suppose that uh, a good way to limit um, – I'm, I'm not I'm not bound by his rules. But um, – <laughs> No. <laughs> I was here last week. I went through the trials. I went no, through I mean, Barker not the, knowing what to say because he was too tired. One of the simplest tired. ways is really just to limit the resources. You know, limit uh, the resources needed to make the black powder, whatever that is. You know, mm. whether it's uh, sulfur or whatever, just, you know, th- there's not a lot of it. And so, um, and it hasn't spread because, you know, the people who make it are keep keep their secret, um, you know, jealously. They, they, they protect it. It's a state secret. You know, they, there's only a handful of people that actually make the black powder. You know, these, uh, these specialized alchemists who um, are, are sworn to, you know, keep this secret against, you know, torture and death that sort of thing maybe they mm-hmm. maybe they even are, are are bound by magic to you know if, if they if they tell the secret they they die or something you know it, it could be that that well kept so there's, there's yeah. a lot of ways you can sort of limit limit the expansion uh without you know and and not uh not have it sound weird that they didn't just like either sell it to everyone or try to take over the world right right yep well i think that's cool and i think it kind of covers 
you know, any answers to that mm-hmm. question. And ultimately, I was really excited for tonight's episode because, um, you know, guns are going to be a big thing in the future, uh, even in the Winds of Sorceline campaign, you know, as they right. mm-hmm. become more integral in the world and more of the factions mm-hmm. become present. And and it's it's a difficult thing. And, and it's one of those things <laughs> that I find is difficult, but it doesn't really have to be. But we kind of make it more difficult because we we've, we live in a world where guns shaped our reality so much yeah, to the yeah. point where you can't even quantify it. it right. yeah. They just changed everything. Well, and, and continue so, and continue to change everything and be such a huge oh, yeah. part of you know everything that yeah. <laughs> our different world cultures do and exactly. Sure. And so it, it's difficult to imagine a fantasy setting with guns where that change doesn't happen. But I yeah. think I am going to be a big old sissy here and say go with the feel and the fluff over the realism um of course you might want to consult your group first right <laughs> yeah yeah i should find out what what they like if they like down and gritty then make it gritty <laughs> yep yeah exactly so uh, i'm kind of oh go ahead alex no i was just gonna say it, it's kind of topical for me too because i'm um uh, this week i'm going to be starting uh a a long term uh call of cthulhu campaign so uh, which i'm really excited about i haven't awesome. run a uh, a long campaign in, in quite a while so uh for call of cthulhu so i'm, I'm, I'm excited about that and uh you know obviously it's a it's a modern setting so uh obviously firearms are going to play uh end up playing a big part i'm sure are you doing There's, that online yeah yeah you doing that streamed yes you gonna Ooh, yeah. let us know when you do that because I'd like <laughs> I will, to watch yeah. it. Yeah, I will. It's uh, uh, we're gonna we'll probably be doing it Tuesday nights. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to it. I haven't I haven't run, you know, I've run one shots here and there, but I haven't run a uh, uh, a big time Call of Cthulhu campaign in a lo- in in forever. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I'm excited about that. And just as a side note, it takes place in the same in the same universe as the Yeti. Um, the pipeline Ooh, game. Yeah. So, you cool. guys, you, you guys, characters exist somewhere in that world. That's awesome. We're currently yetis. <laughs> yeah, we're currently yetis. We're just chilling. I have, to, <laughs> I have to say, there's something so fun about a long-term Call of Cthulhu campaign yeah. because all of the characters develop so many <laughs> different phobias and psychoses that you just, by the end of it, it's just everyone is just a shell of a person <laughs> from experiencing all of these different crazy, you know, Lovecraftian horrors, but... Yeah. yeah. Well, I would love to play in, in a game like that in the future, Alex, so keep me in mind for uh, any more one-shots. A lot of people I Definitely. know want us to run some more games, uh, so yeah. maybe in the future we'll consider uh, Matt or myself or you, Alex, again, mm-hmm. running a, a one-shot in our chosen setting or system. Absolutely. That would be fun. That would be really fun, yeah. Uh, But before we go, um, I just want to say I'm totally locked up about this idea that people can steal. I don't know what we should create, so what do you guys think? Hmm. Uh, I mean... mean, We could create a gun. I think, like, creating creating some sort of special firearm um, for, like, a medieval fantasy setting would be cool. Okay. Thinking cool. about how well, it works, if it uses any special materials, that sort of thing. Well, how about okay. how about, about expanding maybe to a firearm class, like uh, for a fantasy setting? You know what? You know what that might be like. You know, um, I know I know that that previous examples have had gunslinger and so forth, but you know maybe maybe come up with Ooh, something different. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm d- I'm cool. super down with that. That would be fun. Okay, cool. So <clears throat> Matt, you've got dice in front of you. I don't. I do. I do. Yeah. Cool. I'm glad I got. <sighs> I guessed that right. <laughs> you just I was, I, some. Well, you always have a D20 my... in your little pocket. I do. Well, I, I always keep my dice next to me at my computer because that's where I use them most. So. Cool. All right. I've got my trusty double D6 D12 here. Double D6. I, I thought that I did. Sounds badass. Oh yeah, I do. Okay. All right, so uh, one to two will be Barker, three to four will be Alex, and five to six will be me. That's a five. So, a gun using class. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of go uh, back when Alex earlier on the episode you said, uh, "Give me the wizard killer," the guy you know <laughs> the guy going to the store to buy the gun to kill the wizard. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of there being a class, a sort of. Um, a mage hunter class hell yeah uh that is cannot do magic but is specifically designed to combat magic with firearms Mm -hmm. and so i'm picturing i'm picturing almost like a solomon kane like puritan style class like Mm -hmm. a dude with like a big tall hat and a long coat and just a brace of pistols just like four pistols flintlock pistols in his belt and he's walking around heard there was a mage in these parts yeah (laughs) dude yeah he's he's in that tower over there and he goes thank you kindly tips his hat (laughs) friggin' brings out two guns and walks over to the tower all right i know that we're i know that we roll and i know that we leave this up to the fates but i'm just gonna put this out there i really hope you roll me because i just got a good idea yeah me too (laughs) no (laughs) no it's gonna be a 50 percent chance all right let's do it last time i had a 50 percent chance my character died it's okay yeah that is true barker i'm sorry Ah, about that one to three is barker and four to six is alex Sorry, Barker. That Damn is a four. It! That no! is a four, buddy. I'm so sorry. Bar- All right, Alex, you're I, up. I, well, I, I hope uh, I hope I leave room for you too. So, um, I'm going to say that this is a religious order, and that oh, they yes. uh, um, that that they that they hunt them down for uh, for religious reasons that they that maybe magic is is an abomination to them, and and uh, and so they 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 have to take out these uh, these wizards for their you know their deity. And, uh, um, you know, so they, they, you know, maybe the, uh, the guns themselves probably have, you know, religious symbols all, you know, on them and, uh, you know, carved into the handles and, uh, um, they have an acolyte who is always with them to manage their firearm, who, you know, basically help, you know, helps them to, you know, um, uh, you know, reload shells and, and, uh, and and mill new casings when needed, that sort of thing. So they're they're, they're kind of like yeah. uh, a cross between an apprentice and a uh, um, uh, a craftsman that 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 accompanies them on their on their quest to slaughter wizards. Yeah, Hell, I, yeah. I picture him like firing off this rifle and just handing it back to his acolyte, <clears> and <throat> his acolyte's handing him a new rifle. You know, like he yeah. just carries like two or three rifles at a time. Oh my yes. Goodness. All right, all right. Let's see. Oh, I misplaced my I dice, want, Barker. I just want to say I really hope you roll me. Okay, let's see here. One to six is Barker. Here we I'll go. Forgive you for last time. Okay, Barker, blowing the dice. Was that a, was that you blowing on it? That was me blowing on the dice. Oh, oh, it sounds like you farting. So yeah, I well, guess you did. I guess oh, you, you meant with my it. mouth? Uh, yeah. <laughs> God, you just got farted myself. on my hand twice. Okay, here we go. Barker, that's a six. Oh yes. Okay. Whew. All right, thank you. Yeah. Um, the ammunition 
the black well either the ammunition or the black powder that's used in this weapon uh is dispel magic uh, and so the cool. the you got to fight fire with fire so ironically this religious order arms this class of mage hunters with weapons that quite literally dispel magic and so when a, a mage is hit with this uh weapon they are dispelled being a magical being uh in a, in in a way like perhaps i would say not a magical being but maybe i don't know magic is infused in them enough to where it just disintegrates them like a van helsing creature yeah nice. and and the adventure begins when you're investigating a murder scene and there's just a pile of ashes and it was the town's local sage Ooh, cool. And this isn't the first time that, you know, a a, a local has been disintegrated. And then the adventurers perhaps find out that they are both magic users. Wow. You know, and they Mm -hmm. discover this bad guy, this Punisher-esque bad guy who's just going around (laughs) murdering mages for his religious zealous cause. Nice, dude. Yeah, they, and they could even find these little, little uh, distorted pieces of metal at each scene and have no idea what it is. You know, this little crumpled, uh, you know, piece of metal amongst the ruins or embedded in the wall, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, um, nice. I, so I have two more things to add. Okay. One, I think these guys are called stalkers. Nice. And nice. two, maybe Barker, like you were saying, maybe the the metal that they make their bullets out of is naturally dispelling like it's a it's a it's a a material or a mineral or metal or something that naturally dispels magic and disrupts magical spells and so if you put enough of these things into a wizard he's just like i can't cast spells anymore i'm melting like just (laughs) turns to ash like you said (laughs) oh that's cool i love that like yeah the, the metal can't be enchanted into swords and crap like that maybe he even uses wields a blade also has a blade on his hip that's made of this metal. Oh, just yeah. Case. So it's like, I'm out of bullets. Hey, that's okay. I'm going to stake the mage in the heart. I'm going to stake the mage. Yep, exactly. Dude, that was cool for not knowing what we were going to go with. I think that yeah. was cool. Yeah, I like that. I think that's one of my one of my favorite ideas you can steal that we've done. I think so, too. I, I'm also, I really enjoyed the orphan kids in the wall adventure. Remember that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. That was a good one. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was, was a really good one. I, I remember that. Every time we do this, I'm like, all right, we got to match that one, yeah. and I think this one did it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much uh, to specifically Ben B for uh, creating our new drinking game rules. Uh, <laughs> thank you to all of you who are currently incoherent. Uh, maybe try Diet Pepsi next time. Uh, but mostly thank you to every single one of you who are listening to Roll Up and Die currently. Uh, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash die. Don't fruit roll up about it. And <laughs> stupid. And uh, thank you very much for all your reviews on iTunes. Uh, they really help get us noticed, and uh, we just love doing this. So uh, thanks very much for tuning in. My name is Barker. And my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. And I feel like there's only one way we can close this out. Let's do it. Godspeed. We're a bunch of nerds. (laughs) (laughs) This show has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2016. 
It is owned by all three of the primary hosts. The games, movies, and other super awesome properties mentioned in this show are the property of their respective owners. Stealing sucks. You can find all three of the primary hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt is at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Barker is at youtube.com slash be a better game master. And both of their work can be found at absolutetabletop.com. Captain Gothnog is at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog. And his work can be found on DriveThruRPG via Critical Hit Publishing. Listeners are free to use this show in any way, shape, or form as long as credit is provided to the Roll Up and Die RPG podcast. Look for other releases of the show on Facebook.com slash RollUpAndDie, iTunes, and RollUpAndDie.Podbean.com. Have a fantastic day, and as always, happy gaming.